Guys, welcome to the Last Set Podcast, episode 140. We are officially only 10 away from the big 150, and today's guest, we've got motherfucking Tom Barnes. What's good, brother? How's it going, man? Thank you for having me on. It's good to have you on, man. So let's do a little, I'm just going to do a little bit of recap why I wanted to have you on today. So not that long ago, I had Kai on. Shout out to Kai and all that. He was the one who helped me set this up and recommended you and all. Mm. And then he, I was, and I realized we've actually seen each other a couple of times around in the gym. And then he sent me your details and I was like, all right, let's get this guy on. And then he sends me the link to your 300 kilogram deadlift, which you put up not that long ago. And I thought to myself, okay, he's the perfect fucking right. guest. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, was the Kai interview before or after the 300 kilo deadlift? Uh, the Kai interview was before, then he sent me the video. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Shout out Kai. Yeah. So tell me, man. <gasps> tell, give the audience a little bit of a background about yourself. So I'm Tom Barnes. Uh, I guess I will. I originated in dunking. So I don't know if you view my Instagram, but if you you know scroll all the way to the bottom, I started with dunking. And what dunking is, if you know, think of basketball, mm-hmm. jumping up, putting the ball in the hoop. I don't actually play basketball itself. I used to, but then I kind of fell in love with just the dunking part of it. Found out there was a whole community. And I was like, okay, jumping higher, doing tricks and putting the ball in the rim. Kind of just became like a hobby for me. Obviously, because dunking if you want to jump higher you need to learn strength and conditioning if you want to reach those next levels kind of fell in love with the gym so not only do i enjoy dunking i enjoy powerlifting bodybuilding like power building um mm. so that's kind of what i've got into recently yeah. and you also have a bachelor of science in was it sports, sports science? science from Curtin? yes very nice yes. And what year did you graduate last year last year oh yeah so ah. end of last year so I li- i'm literally first year out Oh, nice. First yeah. year out in yeah. the big world. Yeah. That's it, yes. How old are you, bro? 21. 20? Oh, shit. I thought you were older than me. <laughs> yeah. Really? Wait. I'm 23. <laughs> oh, no. I'm 21, man. Uh, nah, man. I mean, you're doing great for 21. Because uh, fucking whenever I see you training, man, you're always putting up like these massive lifts. And for someone who's actually as tall as yourself, that's not easy to do as well. In terms of powerlifting? Yeah. Yeah. Like whenever I see a lot of, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of, Powerlifters, mm. I see are below six foot at least. A lot of really even short, the shorter the better, obviously, because less of distance for the bar has leverages. to travel. Yeah, and leverages and all that. So one of the main things that I want to kick this podcast off starting about was like, what was your progress? Like, what was your periodization leading up to that 300 kilogram deadlift? Okay, so I was actually talking to someone about this like yesterday. The first time I ever deadlifted was the middle of 2021. So last year. Mm-hmm. And the first time I ever tried to deadlift, picked up a barbell, I got 180 kilos. And I was like, okay, I think, I don't know if that's good. You know, kind of like watched around like what's considered good or what. And then kind of realized I kind of have a talent for this one particular lift for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. Like, mate, if you're telling me you can put up 180 for the first lift, yeah. that's four plates. Mm. That's fucking huge. Mm. And it was conventional as well. <laughs> that's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the weird thing is that was in the morning. And I was like, that was kind of easy. I came back in the night and did 190, same day. <laughs> so then, yeah, the rest of that year, I kind of just, it was literally every week I was PRing by like five, 10 kilos for no reason because I wasn't really training smart then until like really the start of this year. And I was like, okay, 300 kilo deadlift, that's kind of like a priority now. Then I'm like, okay, let's get smart about this because you can only get away with training dumb for so long Yeah. before you like plateau. So, yeah. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. So... Do you, how long were you dunking for though? I've been dunking since 
2018. 18. So, so I was 17 when I first nunked. Okay. All right. So did you always have this natural athletic ability for explosiveness or was it something that you feel like you learned along the way? I've always been above average in terms of athletics. Like, you know, the whole athletics carnival at school, I was always, you know, top five in sprinting, jumping, whatever. But I couldn't touch the rim when I was in my year 12. So nothing special. Because you see all these American kids doing between the legs in high school and all that, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I, no, not a genetic freak, I don't think. I feel like my, I guess, genetic power is the ability to train hard and recover mm-hmm. in some, yeah, in that sense. Not the, like, I didn't start at a high point, if that makes sense. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So, when you were going through this and all, like, realizing, okay, we're going to hit 300, mm. like, did you have somebody working with you and all that? Or is this something you periodize along the way or by your own, by learning from yourself? In terms of actual workout, like, periodization, it was, that was all me. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I had mates helping me get through the workouts because some of them were grueling, like five by eight at 210. Terrible stuff, right? You feel sick, all that kind of stuff. I had my mate Hack, shout out Hack. He would be there screaming at me like, how bad do you want this? All of that. (laughs) Kai, again, Kai kind of helped me stay healthy throughout it. So if something came up, I'm like, oh, my hamstring's bugging me a little bit or my my lower back, whatever, I'd message him. He'd tell me kind of what to do and he'd help me out. Also cracked my back once at Canningvale Revo, and it was like the loudest thing you've ever heard. Wait, what happened? You he like cracked my back, so oh I was like God. on the ground. And you know how you do the, the whole push, like breathe out, push. I question like the validity of that stuff. Mm. Like mm. I, I have had a few arguments. I've heard a few arguments yeah. from experts saying that it can do more harm than good, and it can do more. Than if if you get someone who who knows how to do it really, really well and all that, Cairo. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I think if people like it because it sounds nice. That's and they're like, thing. it sounds nice, therefore it must be good for me. But it's, it's like a mess of for you. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yeah. Yeah. So then you were building up, like, what mm. were you doing as well for, like, accessory work and all that? Like, uh, or as a better question, like, how many weeks, how many days a week were you deadlifting building up to it? Three. Three? At most. Three. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. And, like, were you mainly focusing on things like deficit deadlifts or did you know? No, bro. Like, it was literally normal conventional deadlifts. Obviously, I'd have to change up the sets and reps as I got closer to the one rep attempt. Okay. So, started really high volume, kind of like tapered it down. You would know that's exactly how you got to do it. Accessories, you know, I just did things like RDLs, hamstring curls, you know, all the normal stuff. Nothing, no secret exercise or anything like that. Also, my squat went up a significant amount during that time just because obviously a squat's still going to carry over a little bit to deadlifting. And other than that, that's kind of what I did. To continue jumping twice a week, doing a bit of jump training uh, on my off days, I guess. And just because I got stronger, I ended up jumping higher, funnily enough. Yeah, I was actually, that was the next thing I was going to ask. Like, does, obviously, strength training would help mm. because obviously increasing muscle, increasing, uh, obviously we can't, it's a type 2A fibers, those are the oxidative abilities, so that obviously would help. But uh, once you build up to it, like up to that 300 kilogram deadlift, I mean, like, what was it like once you put that bar down then? I mean, you've seen the video, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> I was hyped, bro, because I don't think I've ever wanted something so much because it was kind of like proving to myself that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And 300 at 75 kilos is just, well, it's not like something you see every day, right? 
Yeah. So four times body weight conventional. Although it was like a very slow rep, I was still like stoked that I got it. Yeah. And how long ago was this again? It was April 6th. April. So been a few months ago. Mm. What are your plans now? Do you want to go for the next one? You know, because how many plates is aside? Seven. Seven plates aside. If you're using 20s. <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any plans like to try and go up a little bit higher? We're going to try and, and attempt another one. Mm. So, yeah, the plan was until like a month ago, it was to go for the Australian deadlift record, which is 306. Really? So I, I have to get 307. This is at 76 kilos body weight. Oh, is that how much you weighed at the time? Mm. Fuck. Yeah. That's lighter than me, dude. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the goal. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of close. I want to enter a competition see what I can do, see how close I can get to the Australian record. Unfortunately, a month ago, I thought I hurt my glute. Uh, I'm not actually sure how I did this. It might have been, I feel like it was split squatting because it's something I'd never done and I kind of just jumped into it too fast. And I thought I hurt my glute, but actually it was my disc between L1 and L2. So that's something I'm trying to like recover from at the moment. Oh, so, so tell me about that. Like, did you get it checked out? And yeah, I got it checked out last Wednesday, ran me through all these tests and the one thing that gave it away was the fact when I cough, my glute flares up, which doesn't make sense. But the thing, obviously, since it's a spine thing, you're coughing, it's compressing there. And then the nerve, obviously, everything's inflamed in, near the disc, mm-hmm. pinches the nerve. That nerve is, like, innervating the glute, hurts my glute. Whoa. So I, I thought it was glute for a whole month. I'm, you know, I'm foam rolling this thing and uh, hot baths, all that stretching, and then Apparently that wasn't even doing anything because that wasn't the issue. Wow. Which is really, is it's nice to know that now, but yeah. So what did the, what did the uh, doctor recommend then? So this was last Wednesday. It's currently Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two, three weeks, kind of lay off it. Don't load it to what you normally would because obviously it's a disc and what's the role of the intervertebral disc? It's like compression, right? Like force absorption. So really just stay off it, let it heal, and then slowly load back up. Because he said around six weeks, it's pretty much like structurally back to where it should be. Because obviously I haven't like herniated this thing or like done anything extreme. But I like there is a little bulge there. So that's something I need to just relax um, and slowly work back into it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like are you still training? Yeah. Well, yesterday I did uh, front squats, five sets of five at 120. No pain. <laughs> no pain at all? No. Fuck. Yeah. So <laughs> obviously like, it's more front loaded and I didn't have to flex my spine at all. Yeah. So I've really tried to stay upright, perfect form, nice and slow. And yeah, haven't, didn't hurt yesterday. Maybe about a one out of 10 when I woke up this morning. Obviously in the morning it's going to hurt a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, slowly just trying to keep the strength in this like two week period and then build back up again. Yeah. I've always yeah. been told the term like um, motion is lotion mm. when it comes to certain injuries and things like that. Like for me, also just when some, I nowadays obviously not being a doctor and all, but I've had doctors on the show before and they always said there's a big argument with, I believe that every single doctor out there should have a background or at least know probably when it comes to weight training and the benefits of weight training to prescribe to their patients. Because if you get a, uh, a doctor himself who knows and trains regularly and someone comes to me and they say they got back pain, they will be like, oh, you need to train weights because there's tightness, there's compensation. Mm. But if you come across a doctor who's never tr- barely ever trained before, knows little to none about that kind of training, 
and they came with the exact same situation, they'll be like, oh, don't lift any weights, don't do any heavy load. That is the thing that gives me the biggest ick, like pet peeve. I hate people who say that you get any kind of injury and it's like, stop doing what you're doing immediately, sit on the bed for 10 weeks. It's like, yeah, you'll feel better because it's going to heal, but at the same time, you're going to lose all that progress. You're going to come back, try and do the same thing again, you're going to hurt yourself again. Mm. And you're just going to kind of go through the cycle of getting injured, recovering, getting injured, because you're not actually addressing the problem itself. Like little weaknesses in an area, you wouldn't even think there's a weakness, right? Exactly, exactly. It's it's becoming a... Well, that's why nowadays um, you see more and more people on Instagram as well is in in medical world. Like people are training, prescribing weight training. Like, uh, I always forget his name, but he's the guy who runs Squat University. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He's a doctorate himself and he's Mm. always prescribing people exercises for like things like knee pain, hip pain, back pain and all that. Mm -hmm. And... uh, one thing I've always been told is like, oh, if everyone has a sore back, the last thing they should be doing is deadlifts. I'm like, not quite. So, because I've always been a big advocate for deadlifts, if you could do it safely. Mm. I don't always believe in, if you're someone who's trying to one rep max every fucking week, okay, maybe that's not definitely not that <laughs> safe, you know. No. Because that's what actually one of the things I actually tell people as well. If you're actually trying to build up your one rep max, I always recommend not trying to max out every mm-hmm. week. Because the more you chase something, the further away it's going to be. Uh, so how how long were you, like, often were you maxing now before you built up to 300? It, okay, my current philosophy is exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Don't max out every week because when you max out, you're destroying your body. You know, you're putting it through the most stress it can possibly do, right? Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you basically dug yourself a hole that you now need to climb out of, which is, like, equal to recovery. And if you're not fully recovered, therefore you can't train how you want to train, you're actually making it a lot harder to hit that certain one max. You're better off just slowly progressing, and then when you do think you're ready to hit it, then go for it. Instead of just doing these little silly, like, 1.25 kilo PRs, which is just going to fry your CNS. <laughs> Saying that, leading up to 300 kilo deadlift, it was kind of every two weeks I would still hit, like, a three rep max or a five rep max. That's it. That's actually jumped. That's definitely uh, legitimate, I would say. I honestly have always just like that. What, I feel like that one or those two, there's not much distance in between. But the three and the fours, that area, okay, the RP, the RP is a little bit lower. So that's why I do actually honestly believe that that'll be a little bit more manageable if you build up to it correctly as well. Mm. Uh, because I've had like strength, uh, strength athletes, obviously on the show, and many power powerlifters before. They tell me like one to two rep range, you should no longer spend more than one to two weeks. Some diet powerlifters treat it like the reps is the rep at range, like threes or fours or fives. That's how long you want to spend in that zone in, spe- in terms of weeks as well. Okay. Yeah. It's, that's a, it's, uh, it's not a 100% proven philosophy. It's something you hear often. But uh, when I heard about it, it kind of makes sense in yeah, a no, way. Yeah, thinking now. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Because it's like... He was saying to me, well, how long do you normally spend in like a hypertrophy? You broke it down. Like, how long do you normally spend in a hypertrophy block? And I say, a good six to eight weeks. And he's like, okay, why do you think that is? And I was like, maybe because that's how long it takes to adapt. And I was like, okay, that's another thing. But uh, he was also saying, well, what's the rep range for hypertrophy eight to 12? There you go. So that's yeah, why it's six to eight, eight to 12. Question. Yeah. yeah. And not even that, but... That's also how long people, if, if people are going for a complete mesocycle, they spend, 
how many reps are you going to be doing for power? He goes, roughly around one to three. And how many often do you spend in power? One to three weeks. When you're peaking, right? Yeah. Well, close to peaking. Yeah. So, again, not a doctor, 100%. If you want to uh, – people who I say don't, so don't take it as gospel or pull. There's other people I have on to explain their situations anyway. So, tell me a little bit about uh, Jump X, man. Okay. Tell me how you got this idea. And okay. So, Jump X, obviously – Dunking since or trying to dunk since I was seventeen. Dunked when like first dunked when I was seventeen. You know, fell in love with the whole dunking community, the whole YouTube community, uh, Instagram community when it comes to dunking. So I know a lot of people doing similar stuff. Uh, there's obviously other companies that do similar stuff. And then, kind of growing up, uh, as I went through uni, watching all of these other companies do similar stuff to what we do at Jump X right now, I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I want to do that. Mm. And I didn't actually think it was gonna become a thing. Until, so I met Austin in 2020, like before the first lockdown. Mm-hmm. We we're just dunking on one of the courts. He comes over and goes, what are you guys doing? And then I kind of explained what we're into. At that time, he was playing basketball, but wanted to dunk. And ever since then, he kind of just put basketball to the side and said, it's dunk life. So two years go by, or like one and a half years go by, we dunk with each other twice a week, train with each other like pretty much every other day. So we get really close at this point. And then eventually we kind of come to the conclusion, like, we could use each other's strengths right here, right? And then, you know, we have to do all the groundwork in making a business, all that kind of stuff. And then JumpX was formed. Mm. So, but what we do is it's an online kind of coaching service. So every athlete gets a program individualized for their own needs because we believe, personally, you're going to get a lot more progress if your program is made for you, not just a cookie cutter. Because you got to kind of think, you know, you go online, you buy one off program. Who is it actually made for? Yeah. It's not cookie cutter. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we had an athlete who was 43 years old, 5 foot 10, <laughs> and started dunking. Really? Like, yes, At that age? Yes. Yeah, 43. Fuck. From the UK. Shout out Isaiah. And then, obviously, we couldn't give him the same training we give a 17-year-old. Because oh. when you're 43... Unfortunately, you do not recover as quick as you would when you're 17. Yeah, and at 40 year old, for, at 40 years old, that's when the body starts to develop sarcopenia, which is when the heart starts to decrease blood flow to the muscles and mm. to keep the organs healthy and all that to maintain the organ output. So, yeah, keep going. You were saying. So, yeah, what I was saying is everyone needs different things, and that's where we hold our value in our programming, is because we know what everyone needs we've kind of been there ourselves we've experimented with ourselves um month in month out what works what doesn't work what to put in a program when this happens or what to put a program when this other thing happens knee pain that's a big issue right when it comes to jumping we kind of we know how to deal with that how to progress it back from not being able to walk upstairs because i was literally at that point at one time in my life my knee pain was so bad i couldn't even go upstairs really that bad and it was excruciating was this and an injury that happened to you? or no, just patellar tendonitis. Oh, so how but did like you... like extreme. Like are we talking like not even being able to bend your leg to walk? Mm. Wow. Yeah. So like how did... in the car would hurt. Fuck. So how did you fix that? So basically stop doing anything that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. First of all. And then again, yeah, you eventually progress day in, day out. Little things that would hurt before. If they don't hurt now, start doing that. So I like to do what we call isometrics and we also program this quite a lot before sessions because it's kind of like prehab to not get this problem in the beginning, but also rehab if you have already 
run into this issue. So isometric, you know what an isometric is, but for course, the audience, yeah. yeah, go on, go ahead. Yeah. Body muscle position there where there's no lengthening or shortening of the muscle. We like to go 45 seconds. So our preferred type of isometric is just think of a leg extension machine where your legs fully extended out and holding that for 45 seconds. And you're not doing it at a weight that's like super, super heavy. It's kind of just a light burn. Try that at home. If you have knee pain, I f- almost guarantee that it's going to go down in levels of pain just by doing one set of that, one set of 45 seconds. Wow. Because I've uh, never really been someone to do leg extensions. I'm not, I've never really put used leg extensions much in my program. I've always found like elevated heel squats or mm-hmm. say like Spanish squats, always the best for um, pain because obviously best for uh, building quad strength and tail tender strength with like backward sled drags. So, with this um, isometric hold, like on a leg extension, are we talking about like, fully extended and hold it there? Almost fully extended. Okay. I, yeah. So why, why almost fully extended? It just, it seems to be a more comfortable position. And in my experience, everyone who tries to do it fully extended, this is very like anecdotal, but if it's very like fully extended, I just, it doesn't seem to work as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, the reason we do this is there's actually an Australian researcher called Ebony Rio. And she has a whole article on isometrics and how it can decrease tendon pain. And this also applies to things like the Achilles. And you can also do it for um, tennis elbow or elbow tendonitis. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you're not doing the leg extension for your elbow. But <laughs> you get the get the idea of holding your weight for 45 seconds, giving it a break, and doing that for a few sets. The original question was, what is jump X? Yeah. I went on a tangent there. That's so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, individualized programming for whatever you need. Uh, you're in a... WhatsApp chat with Austin, myself, and you, like our own private chat. So, you know, any questions people have to do with training, injuries, whatever, you chuck it in the chat and we get back to you. Wow. That's awesome. And how many people do you, are you managing at the moment? We've got about 25 people at the moment. Fuck. Mainly from Australia and the US, but we do have a few Canadians and, as I said, um, the UK. That's crazy. Yeah. So. I- that's awesome. And how long has this thing been going around for? Realistically, it's been up f- properly for about four months. Shit. So we're how do you... Wow. We're young. We're young, man. Mate, you're young, but you're doing really, really well and all that. That's Appreciate it. Yeah, man. I mean, especially considering it's the PT world as well, man, because personal trainers and myself, like, the average lifespan of a trainer is about six months. Give or take. Yeah. I was actually speaking. No way. Yeah. So I'll explain this down to you. So like, yeah. here's the best way I can do it. Shout out to Adam Becker. He put this perfectly. You've got your degree, right? How long did it take for you to get your degree? Three years. Okay. Awesome. How long do you reckon it will take for an, uh, a plumbing apprenticeship? Uh, aren't they three years? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. How long does it take to become a doctor? More than eight, depending eight. on like, yeah. what I think, but eight plus. Yeah. How long do you reckon it takes to get your certification in fitness and health? Six months. Is Six weeks. People do it in less. Stop. Some people do it in less. Yeah. So what's happened now, mm. I'm not shitting on all those businesses that give you the certification. I mean, not all of them. Some of them do it well and mm. respect some of them. But you're getting to a point now where they are so money hungry. You're taking people who are super, super underqualified, people who think – they know everything that is about 
fitness and health and lifting weights because they do it so much themselves. And when they actually, that's a, that's, and then they actually take this course and then they give them a payment plan and that payment plan is going to lock them in for the next few years and they're constantly paying off. That's it. And they just want to flush them through the six weeks, get them out. Some people do it in less. Some people do it completely online in a week and all that. When they're fully qualified. Then they're fully qualified. Yeah, and that's how it goes. Yeah. That's how it works for some people. That's why it works for some of the courses as well. Mm. So now that's why you're taking someone who's only been doing something for six weeks and then you're throwing them into their own business where they've got to pay rent, they've got to pay off the course, and then they got to pay on top of that like utilities and bills and gym gym membership to like membership. actually use a gym yeah. to take your clients to. Yeah, exactly. And then after that, they got to pay for all the other things that come with, with a business and then they realize, holy shit, what the fuck have I got myself into and all that. So that's why when mm. someone, when you're like someone such as yourself is coming to me and saying, oh, I've got this many classes, I'm like, fuck, that's awesome. Because it usually takes PTs, the ones who stay in, once you get past that first year, you're like, okay, all right, so this is it. Then they understand most of it. And then if you do, so, I always believed, if you do something for three years, you can do it for three years, you're, then you're going to make it. Because first year, you understand how it goes and you're absorbing everything. Second year is when you start to encounter all the problems and you figure out ways to mm. solve those problems. And then the third one is when you become used to a lot of it, you decide, is this something I want to keep solving or is it something I want to move on from? And that's where it becomes a lifetime thing if you go, okay, I yeah. want to do this forever. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. Well, it's, it's like that. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like that with everything. The people who, the ones who are generally the most successful are the ones who have been doing it for the longest. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why and and that's why now with PTs like they'll come into the course and then they hit their first bunch of challenges and then they ask themselves, Do I really, really want to be doing this for the next few years of my life? And then that's when they move on. Or some of them are very smart and then what they do is they have another job outside of the gym to help supplement it. Mm. Which again is it makes it a little bit harder for them, but they understand that this is gonna be a process that takes time and then eventually they draw more and more and more into it. Yeah, and then, yeah. Then it becomes like a more full time thing. Yeah, interesting. That's actually scary though. What you just, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're in the gym. I see you all around. Like, I mean, don't hesitate to ask any trainers. I'm all. Like, I'm not saying it's bad, because it always depends on the person. Mm. Because doing over 140 episodes of this podcast and all that, I've spoken to a whole bunch of PTs, and everyone has their own walk of life, and they all have their own challenges. I reckon it generally comes down to the person. Because if they truly love what they do, even though it take they got the certification a few more times, if they have that willingness to still be learning and practicing and trying, then eventually they're going to make it and all that. But that's why I say to people, just because you've got your certificate doesn't mean you're 100% qualified in it. You know everything to do with training. Like yeah. I, I was actually about to say, I feel like the best trainers, coaches, are the ones who are open to learn Yeah, and are always trying to learn. They're yeah. not just like, okay, I've got my, you know, I've got my paper now. Stop learning? No. You no. Gotta, things are always changing, right? Yeah. yeah. I also f highly respect the people who say they don't know as well. Mm. Like uh, they'll come to me with a situation. If it's something I've dealt with before and know how to test and know how to screen, I'll be like, okay, let's, let's give this a go. But I recommend you go see a physio first as well just to back up. Okay, we'll try this. And if it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't work, okay, I know this physio who's really good. You should go to them. And then they'll communicate with me and we can work with what they got. Mm. Because the problem is with health, health and fitness, man, it's such a broad spectrum now. It's not just general pop, but 
It's now things like weightlifting, rehab, rehab, powerlifting, CrossFit. So much. Dunking. Dunking. <laughs> yeah. Niche, but yeah. Yeah. Do you ever, in your time when you set up the thing, like, I, I'm asking this now because you've been doing it for some time, but what was, and you've only been doing it for a short time, but what was one of the biggest challenges that you had setting up this company? That's a good question. The biggest challenge. Yeah, we've definitely had a few challenges. Uh, obviously, the whole just getting those first few clients because scarcity. The th- yeah, the <laughs> thing is, you have to prove that you're actually a reliable business. Mm-hmm. And if you've got nothing previous, if you've got no previous clients, what do you have to prove? You all, all you have is your own progress. But then you know, once you get those first few, they start making progress. You start being able to post testimonials. That kind of gets a snowball rolling, and people go. Okay, maybe these guys actually know what they're doing, and they know they're not just lucky with genetics or whatever. You can actually prove what you're doing works. So yeah, I feel like that's the biggest challenge: getting those first initial people. Right? And how do you advertise and market? So originally, to get the first few, we used Facebook advertising, oh. and it was kind of just like it was a photo of me, and it said, "Do you want to jump higher? Here are five vertical jump mistakes that everyone makes," and it's like a little document runs you through. Kind of gives you some free value, right? That's great. That's brilliant. And, yeah. you know, people can learn off that. And then it links to the Instagram. Again, people can go to Instagram. We always post free content, like little vertical tips, things you shouldn't be doing, things you should be doing, all of that. And then what it also does would we'll give you a link to a like a calendar. And what we do is also night book out times in our day where we can take calls from people, like just free 45-minute consultation call. And if people are really serious, they'll book in for that call and the fact that they've booked into that call shows they're pretty serious about trying to jump higher. Correct. You know, we have a conversation back and forth. What do you need? What have you done? Kind of where you're at at the moment. And we come up with a plan. And sometimes they go, nah, we don't want to sign up with Jump right now. All good. We might see them in the future or whatever. But a lot of the time they go, okay, this is something I'm really interested in. And I see the value that you've just explained to me. And they are keen to hop onto our training. Nice. So... Let's uh, give you a scenario then, like um, if someone came to you, such as myself, mm-hmm. okay, I've been training, let's just, I'm going to give you a case scenario. So I've been training for, let's say three, four years, have no history of, ex- uh, have no history of injuries, want to have a dog hire, how do you test them and decide what program is right for them? So you, oh, let me ask you. Yeah, just so ask some how, how many you, How many years have you actually been training, like in the gym, you know, f- Four plus days a week. Let's say three years. Three years. Yep. Started in high school, banging it out, out of high school now, yep. in uni, want to want jump higher. Okay, so what do you do in the gym? What do I do in the gym? Let okay, so if I'm here four days a week, I'll do a lower body one, I'll do two lower body uh, days, and I'll do an anterior day, mainly chest and shoulders, and I'll do a posterior day, mainly back, and throwing some traps there. Okay. In terms of sport... What did you play growing up? What do you do right now? Growing up, didn't play basketball at all. Yeah. Played a bit of footy, a okay. bit of rugby, and the occasional soccer. And currently? Just gym? Currently just gym. Just gym, okay. Yeah. If you were to picture yourself touching the rim, what would that look like? Would it be a one foot or a two foot jump? I would have to say two foot. That's interesting considering that you played footy, right? Yeah. Which is very one foot dominant. Okay, two foot. And in terms of squat and deadlift, what numbers are we talking? In terms of squat, 
most I could do three plates. That's like 120. 140. 140. For reps or for one? For one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and for deadlift, mm-hmm. I can do three plates and a 10. So that's what, 160. 160. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So not much of a jumping specific background for you, right? So I feel like the best way you would get better is getting jump reps in. So your program would consist of a lot of jumping exercises. I, d- I need to look at your form before I gave you like, because if your form was terrible at jumping, first thing we'd do is make sure that gets right because there's no point reinforcing terrible form. Okay. Assuming that's all fine. I'd get you to jump two times a week. I'd kind of keep strength on, because you're pretty strong. I'd keep strength on maintenance uh, just for the first cycle because you're going to make the most gains not getting stronger, although getting stronger would help eventually. You'd make the most gains initially just by getting those jump reps in because like everything in life, think if you're trying to get better at shooting a basketball, how do you get better at shooting a basketball? You do the shooting you keep basketball, keep shooting. Yeah. So <laughs> best dunker in the world, Jordan Kilgannon. A lot of people listening to this might know him. He's the best dunker for a reason. He's been dunking on low rim since he's 13 years old. <laughs> and now he's 20... No, he's like 30 now. Jesus. So 13 years of jumping like multiple times a week. Yeah, you're going to get good at it, mm. right? So yeah, I'd get you jumping a lot. Uh, strength on maintenance, upper body, you know, we could talk about that depending on how much of a priority it is for you, like if you want to look aesthetic when you jump. Because mm. uh, for a lot of basketball players, they're actually afraid of doing upper body. Like we, we give them in their program, they message us, they're like, oh, I'm scared, I'm going to get too big or I'm going to throw my shot off. But Well, uh, and how would you combat that? Personally, myself, I would say, well, if you think about it, like – uh, but uh, basketball is actually a lot more physical mm-hmm. than uh than it looks. Like for example, you have to be able to push up a defender, so that's what bench press is for, mm-hmm. pushing power. Mm-hmm. You need obviously shoulder strength as well, and you're also going to need shoulder endurance if you're constantly shooting. Another thing is, I would say you definitely need tricep extent, uh, tricep strength because a shooting a basketball to me looks like a big tricep extension. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'd s- say similar things to you. Um, think about. You know, in all those training sessions when your arms are feeling tired, your legs are feeling tired when you're at the free throw line in a game. Imagine if that was like all gone and all you could focus on was the actual shot. Wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, a good example I like to use is, do you know Steph Curry? Oh, player. yeah. Look at him in his 2015 season when he won his first championship or 2014-2015 season. He was skinny. Mm-hmm. He was really skinny. And if you look from just that time to his recent championship, he's put on a lot of size. And it's not because he wanted to get better at shooting, although shooting is like just the same, if not better than he was, but it's because he has to be able to compete with these other bigger guys. Mm-hmm. And you can shoot as much as you want. You can be the best shooter in the world, but if you're skinny and you're getting pushed around and you can't defend people, what's the point? Yeah. So it's kind of, it does need to be a priority if they really want to reach those next levels. Yeah. I was going to ask you a question. Did you ever watch that documentary series, The Last Dance? Bro, I've, Three times already. Three times. Like that, you just that. reminded me of that episode when Jordan, like mm. actually himself, was putting on the muscle and all that yes, sort sir. of stuff. And his and his trainer, he actually wrote a book. It was called Relentless or something, and it was like talking about like Michael Jordan, like um, and pretty much like he would be like the first one in the weight room, but to get him to try and educate him when all like weight training was different, like he would always try and take the weight to a failure. And he was trying to tell him why that was such a bad thing. But mm. because he's like, oh, no, man, I have to be sore the next day. Otherwise, I won't feel anything. And then they had to change that mindset. 
Mm. Like, you know, sometimes doing more isn't always best and all that. Less is more. Less is more. There you go. Um, you know, going off topic as well, but did you watch that movie Hustle? Hustle? Hustle, have you not no. seen this? No. Fuck. Okay. What's it about? Okay, so uh, it is on Netflix right now. It's starring Adam Sandler. Mm. And I forget the actual name of the basketball player himself. But the story of the movie is is a guy, Adam Sandler, plays as a basketball scout and he wants to become a coach. So he's going around and he's like trying to find that one player, you know, that's to prove he's, you know, he's the best buddy scout there is and he deserves yeah, to superstar. be. Yeah. yeah. So he gets this Spanish guy who's an actual basketball player himself in the NBA. Uh, and he's in Spain and he's on the court and he's in his work boots, you know, and he's hustling and he's a great player. And he takes him to America, trains him up. And there's like this amazing like dynamic between the two of them because he's a father himself, but he doesn't have a son. He has a daughter. And the guy he's training up doesn't have a father. He never knew his dad or anything like that. But he's got a daughter. So it's like mm. that father-son relationship, but they're both on the same level because they're both fathers themselves. And he's just like training up nonstop. And he just like absolutely pushes him. Like think of like Rocky. I was about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like Rocky. But it's it's just generally like full on because um he's very no-nonsense. Because if you think about it, like – of the percent of the people who are bu- professional basketball players, how much do you think that of a percentage of people who actually play basketball? Zero point zero zero zero. Like yeah, it's yeah, extremely low. Yeah. yeah, and he's like giving this speech like you've got to be obsessed with this. You've oh. got to love this game. Yeah. And the reason why it was such a good movie is because Am Sandler, like, uh, he's one of those those actors. Like, um, he's made some shit movies in the mm. past. We can agree. Yeah. But it's one of those movies that he could tell he's generally enjoyed doing. Yeah, right. And then there's heaps of recognisable basketball names who feature in the movie as well. Okay. Yeah, so someone is, a, an, I, I, I know almost, and put it this way, dude, I almost know nothing about basketball. I've, I've only played like a one or two years in high school, so I barely know anything myself about it or any players. But watching it, I was like, holy shit. And the reason, yeah, so there's that. Uh, anyway, so going off topic there, I uh, highly recommend it for yourself. Awesome. Though. And also I highly recommend that to anyone who's listening as well who wants a good movie as well to pass time. Mm. Uh, so what's um, what's the plan right now and where you're hoping to take Jump X? Like, do you have uh, a set plan where you want to be this year, next year with your friend? Obviously, we just want to keep growing it, growing our social media presence, getting more people on board, yeah. helping more people jump higher kind of just want to build a, a community, right? On Facebook, we have a JumpX community group where anyone can join. And on that page, you can just post your wins, you know. Oh, I hit this dunk today. People can see it. And everyone, obviously, if they're on the page, they're interested in jumping. We also post on the page, okay, guys, 12 p.m., come down, mm-hmm. come dunk with us. Uh, here's the location. Uh, this is where we're going to be, like court five or whatever. So... People can organize, you know, the week before, okay, I want to go dunk with all these guys who are going to go down to the court and we can kind of have a massive dunk session with all these people interested in jumping higher. And then we can see them in person, obviously give that better guidance on how to jump higher because if I see someone jumping in person, it's way easier than just looking at a video online. So, Wow. Yeah. Far out. And this is all completely online as well. Do you ever do any in-person sessions or? Myself or Jump X? Uh, yourself. Uh, myself, yes. Jump X, no. So I have in-person clients who I train. Not all of them are vertical jumps. Some of them are just, you know, to look better, to feel better about themselves. 
uh, have a net bowler. So it's not just about jumping high in net ball, you know, change of direction, uh, um, strength, just, you know, general strength, uh, endurance, all that kind of stuff. I actually have a dunker I train in person who's my cousin. Mm-hmm. He took a little hiatus for a little bit and he's coming back now. So he got to the point where he was touching the rim and then in a year he was going for between the legs dunks. So he progressed very quickly. So, so what's between the legs dunks? So like a dunk where you, you know, pull the ball between your legs oh, and shit. dunk it, right? Wow. So in a year, that's, if, yeah, that's insane progress. And now he's coming back and we're going to get him even better. Right. So, yeah. And have you worked with any actual professional basketball players or is this mainly just general population? The stuff I do right now is general population. However, for like prac for uni, so it's kind of like work experience. Oh. I was at Warwick Stadium, which is a basketball stadium uh, up north in Perth, and I trained with the NBL one dudes and also the state netball girls. Oh, so yeah, got a big experience in the weight room. See how their programs are made, compare it to mine. And a lot of the way I program now is actually because of the guy who I was under guidance from, which is Lawrence. And he's a probably one of the smartest coaches I've ever seen. So he was a big reason of like how I program now. Oh, okay. How did you come across Lawrence and all that? So yeah, everyone who goes to university needs to do a certain uh, you know, a of course, amount yeah. of hours of prac. Mm-hmm. And most of the time the university would just give it, you know, they just keep like chuck you into a location, you do your hours, you're done. Uh, there are a few like one-off opportunities. So like with the West Coast Eagles was one of them. And then this was also another one. So it was like an interview process to like, get accepted or whatever. And I was like really keen because I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is the kind of community I'm interested in. So thank goodness I got that opportunity to train there for like eight months. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a lot of connections there. And yeah, it was a great experience. Wow, man. Yeah. So this is like as well what it's led to and this is what something like and it's almost completely online as well like uh is this all, all you pretty much what you're putting all your eggs into one basket right now or do you do work on something on the side to help supplement for this Adam, to be honest yeah where austin and i are like we want to do this full time and that's awesome pretty man. much already yeah yeah that wow i mean quickly build it up as well yeah. All right. So are you still, you've mentioned about uni and all that. Are you still studying or are you almost done? As of now, I've graduated. Oh, so I've got okay. my bachelor in yeah, sports science. Do you have any plans maybe to go back and yes, do masters? Ev- eventually, yes, yes, yeah. yes. I uh, do want to focus on jump packs, get that fully running. Lot, you know, we have a lot more things we want to do before. Because I think Austin also wants to study at some point. So, But we want to focus on this before we even think about going back. Understood. Understood. So how do you, like... Well, what's a typical like work work week for you like then? If how do you manage all these clients and training yourself and dunking and so as of now, Wednesdays and Saturdays are what we call dunk days. Dunk so we days. Bl- block out like a time period to dunk, right? Mm-hmm. So usually it's like midday to like two. We'll do a little bit of training after, nothing intense because you've obviously just dunked. So it's just like more recovery stuff, maybe a bit of upper body. Uh, every other day I train at some point during the day, depending on what I have on. I have lots of, you know, with with my in-person clients, it, it kind of varies on, you know, when I need to train them. So my schedule is quite flexible. If Yeah. And then again, we got the WhatsApp group. So throughout the day, I'll just be on my phone answering questions from these guys. Like oh, in between sets, I'll just be on my phone 
checking videos they've sent me or whatever mm-hmm. and getting back to them. So there's no like set time for that. Uh, for programming, we like to do it Saturday mornings because a lot of our people signed up on like the weekend. So their program needs to be renewed monthly on the Saturday, getting ready for the Monday starting. And yeah, other than that, it's pretty flexible and really depends on what I have on. Uh, like, for example, I've got a dunk contest in Melbourne coming up. Oh, really? In October, yeah. So those are, wow. How, how often are those dunk contests? In Australia, like once a year, man. Why is that? Like, is it just basketball's just not as big in Australia, man, compared oh. to the US. It's growing, but yeah, I think we're more footy, rugby. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, well, I would argue now that we're turning more and more because I've this obviously I have a lot of fighters on the podcast. Martial arts is now becoming inc- so increasingly popular in in WA as well and in Australia as a whole, mm. especially MMA and K- obviously other um, striking sports and all that because. I feel like it's because of the internet and all that as well as the popularity of everything and yeah. as well so that just comes down to the deep primal parts of our brains as a whole as human beings but uh so tell me about this dunk contest like how do you like how do you score in a dunk contest like for some break it down for someone first yeah. myself who knows nothing about this about dunking like yeah dunk yeah uh, so usually most contests are just one to ten and there'll be like three to five judges and they all score one to ten. You get your average score, or like you know, you add the scores up. So say there's five judges. Um, you do like the best dunk you've ever done, and you get tens all across the board. So that's a fifty, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone else goes. You get given a score. Usually, what the the layout would be like: two dunks first round. You add your score up, and say there's five dunkers. Two of them will go into the final, then battle out in the final. Do another dunk, and then the highest score in the final is the winner. It's, there's not, it's not complicated. It's not like a fine art or like a recognized sport. It's kind of just more like a exhibition show. Uh-huh. Although there are people in the US trying to standardize how scoring is done. Okay. Because right now it's kind of just, oh, I think this is a seven. It's uh, like, okay, okay, whatever. So but it's almost purely subjective, you would say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But there are people trying to not make it subjective. So, you know, they, there's like categories. There's like power of the dunk. So, you know, how hard you dunk it. Height, how high you jump, technicality, you know, if you just did a normal dunk or if you put it behind your back, obviously it'll be scored differently depending on how technical the dunk was. So, yeah, they're trying to bring objectivity to it. Oh, okay. And that's, a, yeah, it's called the World Dunk Association. Yeah. And and how do you progress in terms of, like, difficulty for a dunk? Mm. Like, do you start off with two feet, two hands, two feet, one hand, then you go to between the legs or... okay. So the way I was, so first of all, do you know what a lob is when you dunk? No, okay. No. <laughs> so instead of just going up with the ball with you and dunking it, you throw the ball up in the air so it goes down, bounces in front of the rim. So all you have to do is like time it with your arms. Oh. So all you have to do is flick your ball down into the rim. So that's how I got my first dunk was a self-lob like that. And that was just a one-hander. And then after that was a two-hander off the lob, started doing off the dribble dunk so I didn't have to rely on the on the lob. Uh, off the backboard was probably next, 360 uh, windmill, when you know, they bring it around like that. Between the legs, reverse between the legs, um, 360 windmill, so I'm coming all the way around Jeez. while doing that in the air. 
And I'm out to the point where I want to do an under both legs. So in, instead of just going under one, I'm like sitting in a chair in midair, bringing it under both. Jesus. So yeah, if you don't know Aaron Gordon 2016 dunk contest, that's all I need. a lot of people understand that reference. So that's kind of what I want to do. Wow. That's my next like. And that's what we're aiming for. Two feet under. Under both. Wow. How much, how much jump, vertical jump do you need for something like that? Again, it, well, I think it, it depends on. One, how good your technique is, because you, your technique's like sharp. You know, you don't need to jump as high because everything's nice and crisp. Mm-hmm. So yeah, your actual dunk technique, um, but also your height. Obviously, if you're shorter, you're gonna have to jump higher. Okay. So, I'm five eleven, so I'm not super tall for a dunker. I'm not Me super too. short. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's I'm cool. It's cool to say you're five eleven. Shout out to right? under my all my, under all six, my foot, under yeah. six foot kings. <laughs> <laughs> right, size don't matter. Hashtag yeah. <laughs> and oh, obviously arm length. Some people have longer arms. Like, do you have long arms for your height? Do you think I have an arm length that's actually longer than my entire height? So, uh, sorry, an arm span that's actually longer than my entire height. Yeah, a little bit above average. Yeah, yeah. So mine's like the same. So I don't have like insanely long arms. So yeah, I do need to jump higher more than I guess the average five eleven dunker. Yeah. Do you ever just get someone come to you and just ask for how can I increase my vertical leap or anything like that? Or do you ever do a lot of vertical leap work? In for basketball, yeah. Because not everyone who comes to us is a dunker. Yeah. And we've got to understand that dunking is a very niche thing. Yeah. There are people who want to do that and just dunk. That's fine. A lot of them are basketball players though. And dunking is a part of basketball, but being able to jump high doesn't only just help dunking, but you know, rebounding. Yeah, and if you know, if you're training all this stuff like in the weight room, getting your squat higher, um, being able to move weight fast, right? Your change of direction is going to go up. Your acceleration is going to get better. Your top speed is going to get better. So all these attributes that would help you play basketball better increase just by trying to jump higher. So if you can do all that stuff better, there's no reason that your basketball game hasn't just gotten better. Oh. So yeah, a lot of them are basketball players who <coughs> just want to get better. Ah, okay. Okay, so have you? What would I, I'm not it's, so without having to name names? Like mm-hmm. uh, one thing, another thing I want to ask because we have a whole range of clients. Like, uh, what would you say is one of the biggest red flags someone's come to you with when it comes to oh, I want to make sure I want to learn how to dunk and all that? Like, In terms of, like, I don't like their attitude. Yeah, attitude. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. No way. I'm gonna name a name. No, that's okay. But yeah, no, 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 no. one sprung to mind. In <laughs> yeah, it was just like. So yeah, we had the whole consultation call. That went fine. You know, gave him the program, and the first comment I got was, "Do I have to do every session?" <laughs> yeah. And then it became this whole thing on like, "Oh, what things can I skip? I don't have enough time," and it. To be honest, the program I gave was probably a very basic one compared to other people. So it wasn't, it's not like he'd been there for three hours, like grinding it out. It was more like a half an hour to an hour, mm. maybe like four times a week. And for me personally, if you can't take out, you know, half an hour to an hour in a day to get better at something, you don't want it bad enough. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, I use that argument a lot with myself personally as well when it comes to trying to decide things or used to argument a lot with myself with my clients where I'm just saying, look, I understand time obviously is a, is a limited currency. It's so finite. We have 24 hours a day, all those things, blah, blah, blah. But I honestly believe if you really care a lot about it, you will 
find time and you will make time for it because I, I hear it a lot because a lot of the people are training generally are general pop their mothers I understand it you got kids kids have got knees you got to tend for them but i also have other clients who are mothers i'm not saying they're more or better than you but i'm just saying they're in a similar boat you are and they can get it done and then believe it or not also tell myself the phrase because there are so many people in this world like there's no uniquely special or uh, you know uh, uniquely special or iconic about any of your problems and probably what you've gone through or going through someone has gone through before and if they can do it so can you and all mm. that. but yeah so how did you deal with this uh this client then or? this is actually a problem that came up yesterday so <laughs> it's an ongoing uh text you know back and forth we're trying to figure out um like a car, you know like a middle ground if you will mm-hmm. uh because we want him to train and i'm trying to you know encourage him being like bro you have like he has a potential I've seen like where he's at right now. He's done no training in his past and he's already like grabbing the rim, almost dunking and he's like six foot. So I'm like, bro, you really, if you want to get better, first of all, you're going to have to train. But if you have any doubt about getting better, you shouldn't because you're so like under trained, pretty much anything you're going to do, you're going to get better. Those newbie gains are like powerful, right? Yeah. That's like encouragement for him to kind of see those first bits of improvements. And if he sees improvement, I guarantee he'll be more inclined to do the training. Yeah, everyone loves those newbie games. Oh yeah, <laughs> so I remember that <laughs> back uh, in the day. <laughs> yeah, well that's the thing. Well, that's the best. That's one of the best things you see about personal training. I'm just like, tell me, trust me, man. Once you get to those newbie gains, you're not gonna want to stop and all that. So it's the best thing when you get the like momentum's a very powerful thing. Oh yeah. So the last thing I wanted to ask you just before we wrap this up and all that, um, for you personally, not only in terms of attitude but in terms of physicality and background, what would you define as like your five star client? Okay. So in terms of attitude or... Yeah, in terms of physicality, like earlier when we talked about our years lifting, sporting background. Okay. So my perfect client. Yeah, like like ideal. Like nobody's perfect, but like what's your ideal? So I want them to have like that almost... They're almost like sick mentality of I'm willing to do anything to Mm -hmm. get better. It's that Mamba mentality, Kobe Bryant mentality, Mm -hmm. right? So I know that they're... Adherence, 100%. They're not skipping a day. So that's the first thing. Uh, in some ways, I almost want them not to be super geni- genetically gifted. Okay. The thing I've seen is the best people at what they do aren't the most genetically gifted. And the reason for that, or my theory, is because if you grow up and you haven't had to work for your talent, right, you never learned those, uh, like, how to get better. Or you never learned the discipline to get better. So they kind of... Yeah, they're good, but they never reach that elite level. But people who have a little bit of talent, they're not at that exact same level to start with, but they've had to learn how to get better. Correct. So, yeah, maybe someone who's got a little bit of talent, but they're not super geni- genetically gifted, so they're very inclined to get better. They've got almost a chip on their shoulder, and they're like, okay, let's go. What do I need to do to get better? Mm-hmm. Uh, sporting background, I think someone who's played a variety of sports growing up, you know, soccer, footy, so they've gotten... You know, growing up, they've gotten all these different kinds of movements embedded in their brain. So they can, yeah, generally what I find is someone who's played a lot of sport as a kid, their movement patterns in the gym, jumping, will just yeah. generally be better. Just because they've learned mu- to learn. Neuromuscular coordination. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So someone who's done all that, it just makes my life easier, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't we found, um, I remember when I was in uni and all that, the people who are really good at like uh, squatting, uh, and squat technique and all that are generally people who have had a history of a lot of doing a lot of jumping sports like 
things. They, they were good at high jump as a kid, or they did a lot of netball. They did basketball mm-hmm. themselves, or they just had a lot. That's one thing that we found as well. And people who um, have always had strong benching and all that are people who just had a lot of physical sports involved, pushing or throwing balls just in general because that movement. Right? Yeah, it alone is pretty much a chest press and all. Yeah. Anyway, man. So yeah. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Oh, cool. Now, just before we let you go, man, um, obviously someone out there here hearing this, they want to get in touch with you. So how can they do so? So the best way to get in touch with me, uh, I feel like if they're going to get in touch with me, it's probably about jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just Instagram at Tom.Dunks. And on that page, you'll see me. Uh, in the bio, you'll be able to see the link to the JumpX Instagram. So, Anything jumping related, even if it's uh, not jumping related, if it's lifting related, just send me a DM. Yeah, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to all my DMs, so just let me know, and yeah, I'll get back to you. Oh, cool. And what's your uh, like Instagram tag or anything if anyone wants to follow you? And all oh, that? yeah, it's just at Tom.Dunks. Tom.Dunks. Awesome. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening to the Last Set Podcast, and that is game.